It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. It's time to answer some mailbag questions. And so for that, we bring in our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com and also the co-host of Jet Nation Radio, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother? Yeah, doing good, Scott. You know, uh, just wrapped up one of our pods last night talking draft prospects and that's where a lot of Jets fans are focused right now, uh, you know, other than the obvious the obvious Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr situation, which we're waiting for to uh, get to the next step. Uh, boy, it has been a heck of a saga here at the quarterback position. And as I'm sure you can imagine, Glenn, we've got plenty of questions about that. But we've also got questions about other things as well, including from Michael Pallas, who asks, let's get off the quarterback train for a little bit. Who would your ideal realistic starting five be up front to protect the quarterback? Also, what would be the best offseason strategy? Veteran offensive line, first round wide receiver or veteran wide receiver, first round offensive line. I ask this because I think rounds two to three might be good to get linebackers and safeties, which obviously the Jets have a desperate need for. So let's start with the first part of this. As far as what would be the realistic starting five that the Jets could get that would be the best they could do. Lakin Tomlinson's going to play one of the guard positions. There's just too much money invested there. If the Jets cut him, they would end up with a $9 million cap charge, and then they would go out and spend more money than that on a replacement. So it just isn't feasible that Tomlinson doesn't play one of the guard spots. They're just going to have to hope that he plays better this year. As far as center, I think getting somebody like John Michael Schmitz would be awesome if they could get him in the draft. There are a couple of other centers as well that the Jets might be able to snag. Luke Whippler from Ohio State is one of them. Joe Trippman from Wisconsin is another one. So maybe they go rookie center and save some money that way instead of spending $10 million on Connor McGovern, although he's obviously a possibility to come back. I think using that first round pick on an offensive lineman, which will go into the second part of your question, Mike is probably the ideal way to go as far as the tackle position goes because then you would have that rookie and then at the other spot you could have Dwayne Brown, Max Mitchell, and Mekhi Becton all in the mix and so then you have those four guys maybe you sign another low-cost veteran and as far as the other guard spot ideally you'd want Elijah Vera Tucker but if say you're at 13 and and one of the tackles you wanted isn't there. You could always go a different route and go with, say, Osiris Torrance at guard and then move Vera Tucker back to tackle. So that's a way you could go as well. I think that's probably some sort of outline of what you're looking at here, if we're being realistic about it, because I don't think the Jets are going to be able to spend huge on an offensive lineman in free agency. And there really isn't a lot out there as far as tackles. Orlando Brown is the only big name, and I'm pretty sure he's going to get franchise tagged. So that's really the best realistic move 
move, I think. And as far as the draft, I would go offensive line if the Jets can get one of the better tackles there. If it could be Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky, somebody like that. If one of those guys isn't available and the Jets don't like their other options, then if they want to go with one of the wide receivers in that spot, that's something they could certainly do and then go back and get a tackle in round two or three. But I think ideally you want that tackle in the first round because we all agree that offensive line is the biggest weakness on the offense right now. And it's incredibly important. Glenn, we just watched a Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes was injured, and if he didn't have four pro bowlers on that offensive line, maybe he gets roughed up enough, gets knocked out of the game, and the Chiefs don't end up winning. On the other side, we saw Jalen Hurts behind an outstanding offensive line in Philadelphia with guys like Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata. And so the Eagles had so much success throughout the season because Jalen Hurts had the opportunity to sit back there and then make plays with his legs when he needed to as well. And in the Super Bowl, obviously, that continued. So I think the offensive line at number 13 should be the top move if they can do it. If the guys they like aren't there, then they can pivot maybe to wide receiver or perhaps pass rusher, whatever the best player on the board signifies at that point. Yeah, uh, you've kind of a lot of what you said, like my first thought was, I think what you led with was uh, no matter what you view with the O-line, Tomlinson's a part of it. it. He just has to be financially so he's obviously going to be one of your starters. You would love to see Makai Becton come back, but you can't go into the offseason. And I'm sure they're not going into the offseason, you know, fully expecting him to be available so he can be part of your plan. But you've got to have other alternatives there. Of course, you know, to me, Skaronsky is my favorite tackle in the class. I know there are other guys that people like better, you know, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. It, I actually pitched this the other day on the forum to Jet Nation because I was listening to a uh, – a mock, I think it was on the uh, the draft dudes pod, and they do, you know they do their weekly mocks or whatever. And one of them was kind of a nightmare scenario for the Jets, where I think four of the top tackles were off the board that by the time the Jets picked. And I, that's not real. I mean, I could see three going pretty easily. Um, four, I don't know if that many will go. But and I asked that question. I said, if you're the Jets and you're sitting there at pick thirteen, and your board has, you know, you're looking at either the fourth best tackle or the first or the top receiver, which guy are you taking? Because you can use both. And, you know, of course, the, a big part of this is going to be how they view those second-round guys. You know, how do you view Darnell Wright? How do you view Jalen Duncan? Um, Bergeron, uh, Syracuse is a guy who I, I really like. So I, I would I would love Skaronsky, and then you kind of go into camp and you you let it work itself out, whether or not Becton plays the right or the left. Dwayne Brown, the does he hang around with that cap hit if you use a first? I think he still might just because of the fact that the, the number of injuries they suffered last year. You know, and of course, AVT, it is nice that he gives you that little bit of flexibility. If something doesn't work out with another guy, you can have him step in and play tackle, excuse me, similar to the way he did last year. Um, at center, again, uh, JMS, John Michael Schmitz, is is sort of the, the consensus number one guy. I've been a, a big Joe Tipman guy for you know much of the season. I think the the guy the uh, he tends to hit his target on the move. You know when when they're running stretch plays or when they have him pulling to the outside, he does a really good job of finding his target and burying guys. You mentioned uh, Luke Weipler, Ricky Stromberg from um, Arkansas is another guy, and I watched a little bit of Juice Scruggs, the Penn State product this week. I think he's another option. But how many of these guys are good to start as a rookie? I'm not really sure. I don't know that McGovern comes back. Um, so I, I think you're looking at some mix of Becton, a first or second rounder, um, at your tackle spots with AVT again, taking a guard spot with Tomlinson. And then you go out and you get a center in the draft as would be, I, I think if you're asking me today, yeah, that, that would be the, 
the best case scenario for the Jets is an old line that includes Makai Becton and a, and a top center and a, a top rookie center. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from J.P. Waxer. He asks, what do you think the first quarterback domino to fall will be? I think we'll get a decision from Aaron Rodgers. What that decision will be, I have no idea, but I think that's what's going to happen is we're going to find out whether or not he wants to be traded, and then everything will start from there. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the uh, the thought process is that Carr wants to ride this thing out and sort of, you know, take an opportunity to meet with everybody. So that's going to, you know, and he wants, you know, let, let Rodgers set the market, right? Let's see what Rodgers gets. And um, I think that'll be the first domino when it will fall. I mean, look, there are people that that, that suggest Aaron Rodgers, and he might. That, that he just loves this attention. He, it's kind of like what Brett Favre did, like drag it out as long as you can. Keep your name in the headlines for as long as you can. Is that true? I don't know, but I wouldn't rule it out. So he might, this could be a thing he could sort out in the next few days after his, his little retreat. But he might say, you know what? I'm in no rush. I'm playing football somewhere. I'm going to give it a couple more weeks. So who knows? Next question comes in from Joe Tella. He asks, why is no one talking about how bad of a season Derek Carr had under McDaniels with weapons like Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro? What gives? Well, first of all, I'm going to read off Derek Carr's stats from 2022, just so we have it out there and everybody knows exactly what his terrible year consisted of. 61% completion percentage, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 3,522 yards. By the way, this is in 15 games because the last two games he sat at home because the Raiders were afraid he would get hurt and they might have to pay him. Seven yards per attempt and a quarterback rating of 86.3. A down year for Derek Carr for sure. Also would be the best season any Jet quarterback has had since Chad Pennington because even Ryan Fitzpatrick, if we're being honest about it, and you look back, wasn't all that good in 2015. He just threw a lot of touchdown passes, and a lot of those were passes that Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker were jumping up to get. So Derek Carr had a bit of an offseason, but as far as the weapons that you're talking about, yeah, Devontae Adams was there, and Devontae Adams is great, but Renfro and Waller were hurt for a significant portion of the season. The offensive line was bad, and you brought up Josh McDaniels, which plays into this. McDaniels tried to fit Derek Carr into his offense, which does not suit his strengths. Derek Carr is at his best in a West Coast system where he can improvise and make plays on the go. That's not what McDaniels likes. McDaniels even took away his ability to audible and to make changes. He wanted Carr to thrive on intermediate passing. That's not what he does best. So you took a square peg, try to fit it into a round hole. You also had a poor offensive line on top of it. And yes, Devontae Adams is great, 
but you had two of his best targets who were hurt for a significant portion of the season, Renfro and Waller. And then, of course, you go and take a look at that defense and how many games they blew. Look at that Kansas City game where the Raiders had a double-digit lead in the second half, and the defense blew it just like that. So I don't think Derek Carr had his best season this past year, but people are acting like he was absolutely horrendous, and that's not quite true either. Like I said, he would have been easily the best quarterback the Jets have had since prime Chad Pennington, even with that down season. And by the way, Plenty of people have been dumping on Carr for 2022. I don't know why you haven't heard anybody talking about it, but there's been a ton of people criticizing him over it. Yeah, it, it's funny to me. I, I I don't know. You know, we talked last night. Like I said, when we did our pod, I I can't understand um, people that look at Carr versus Rogers and only look at well, Rogers is better, so that's the end of the conversation. And they don't want to look at the compensation. They don't want to look at the age. They don't want to look at the fact he might only play one more year. They just want to look at that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, similar response to this question. Like, why aren't we talking about 2022? Well, how, then why are we not talking about Josh McDaniel? Is it this amazing coincidence that for the four years that prior to Josh McDaniel's arrival, Derek Carr completed a minimum of 67% of his passes. And then all of a sudden Josh McDaniel's arrives and that drops to 60 that for four years in a row before McDaniels arrives, Derek Carr threw for four, over 4,000 yards, almost 5,000 just in 2021, and then McDaniels arrives. You know, remember, Josh McDaniels thought Tim Tebow was a quarterback who you should draft in the first round. And I'm supposed to be worried that a quarterback saw a production drop in the first round under Josh McDaniels. It doesn't worry me. Uh, he, you know, Derek Carr is the guy who got it done every year until McDaniels arrived. Like, he, he's the thing that's new, and the results suffered as a, you know, the, the production suffered as a result. So that doesn't worry me at all. Next question comes in from Fergus OB1. He asks, if the Jets don't get Rodgers, what type of contract should Carr be offered? How much and how long? And do you think Joe Douglas has a price he won't budge on when he makes an offer to Carr if that happens? I'm guessing that Carr is going to get somewhere in the 32 to 35 million a year range. And I would think that the bulk of the first three years of that contract will be guaranteed. So I would say maybe something like a three-year, $165 million deal with $80 million guaranteed. Somewhere in that range is probably what you're looking at. And for a quarterback of Carr's caliber, that's more than fair. Because if you look at quarterback salaries, that would put him at right about the 12th to 15th highest paid quarterback going forward. And that's, of course, only until some of these guys like Lamar Jackson get paid. So I think that's probably what Joe Douglas would be willing to go to. I don't think he's going to be willing to give Derek Carr like a 10-year contract with hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed. And I don't think any team is going to have to do that. So I think that's probably what you'd be looking at. And yeah, I think Douglas has a limit of what he would be willing to offer the same way that he probably has a limit as far as what he'd be willing to offer the Packers in draft compensation for Aaron Rodgers. We've seen that he's a guy that sets a limit and sticks to it. Look at Debo Samuel last year. They made an offer to the 49ers and they weren't willing to go above it. Look at Tyreek Hill. He did not want to give up the 10th pick in the draft for Tyreek Hill. So Douglas knows exactly the max of what he's willing to give up and then won't go beyond it. Some guys are willing to bend like that. Maybe Douglas is willing to do it because it's a quarterback in this situation, whether it's draft picks for Rodgers or money for Carr. We'll see. But historically, the last few years, he's known exactly what he's willing to give up in terms of value, and he hasn't strayed from it. For me, you know, looking at what what current quarterbacks are making and what with big name guys looking for new deals, as you mentioned, Lamar Jackson and, and of course Aaron Rodgers is going to be. He just got that huge deal with the Packers. 
Um, I, I've been kind of thinking in my head, 35 million, give or take a couple. And the guaranteed money is what's going to be interesting because you're seeing more players are going for more guaranteed money after the Deshaun Watson deal with Cleveland. So I would expect, as you said, the first couple, maybe three years guaranteed. I think I would imagine they'd shoot for at least a four, maybe a five-year deal. And I think it would be in that 35 million range, maybe 32, maybe 35. And, it, you know, a lot of it's going to depend also on how many teams are in on Derek Carr. Um, you know, we, we've heard that it could be two teams. We've heard it could be five or six teams. Um, so if he's got five different teams bidding for his services, that could bump him up a couple another million. But it for me personally, the number I've kind of stuck with in my head throughout this process is I'm expecting him to land at around $35 million. Next question comes in from Hazmat25. He asks, if the Jets trade valuable draft picks along with cap space for Rodgers, how will they fill out the offensive line so he doesn't get killed? Who will play left tackle center and right tackle? Mitchell and Becton can compete for jobs, but they need players they can count on at tackle and center. Yeah, this is sort of what we talked about before. As far as Rodgers' contract, though, it's a little confusing. It looks like the acquiring team wouldn't get hit with an insane number. So you could theoretically go out and spend a few bucks. I know people have talked about David Bakhtiari. Of course, the problem with Bakhtiari is he's had his fair share of injuries the last few years, which is a big part of the reason why the Packers are going to be looking to move on from him. So, yeah, you could bring him in as one of the tackles, but then you have to worry about him getting hurt, which you're already worrying about with Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker and Max Mitchell. As far as how they would improve without the draft picks, that's really more of my area of concern because especially if they trade first-round picks, we've seen that the Jets have been able to take some of those first-round picks and get difference makers with them. Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Elijah Vera Tucker, those are examples. Brees Hall was practically a first-round pick since he was at the top of the second round. We'll see what happens with Jermaine Johnson. But the point is, they really need somebody who can make a difference on that offensive line. And I really think if you look at the free agent market and the draft, the only way they're probably going to be able to do that is through the draft. And if they trade these valuable picks in a deal to get Rodgers, it lessens their ability to do that. Now, they could still hit on a mid-round guy, and that's certainly possible, but it hasn't happened yet with them as far as the offensive line. Maybe Max Mitchell turns into a decent player, but I think they really need to be able to do something rebuilding that offensive line, and that's not to mention adding another playmaker, shoring up other positions on the defense, and so on and so forth. So that is the worry for me. It's the draft picks. I'm not really all that worried about the money with Rodgers. I am, as Glenn said, worried more about him coming in for a year and then deciding to walk away or the Jets only having him for a year or two and them having to give up those draft picks, not being able to build out the core around him, and then when he walks away, they don't have the team built for the next guy and they don't have the ammo to build it around the next guy the beauty of the Brett Favre trade is they only ended up giving up a third round pick so they were able to pivot the next year not only did they go out and get Mark Sanchez in the draft which they were only able to do because they didn't trade those draft picks in the Favre deal but also they had extra picks that they were able to use to go get Braylon Edwards who turned out to be a key acquisition in 2009 
if they hadn't had those draft picks, they wouldn't have been able to get Braylon Edwards in the middle of the season in 2009. And we remember, Glenn, Braylon Edwards played a big role down the stretch for the Jets, especially in the playoffs. He had that big, long touchdown grab where at that Mm -hmm. point, I think we were all believing that the Jets had a real chance to beat the Colts and go to the Super Bowl. So I'm not Mm -hmm. worried so much about the money with Rodgers, but yes, the draft picks worry me and the idea that he might only be here for a year or two also worries me. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, Scott, the fact that he could it could be only a year, and I, this is something I brought up the other day, was that if you're going to give up these premium picks to get him, and you know, and I hate to 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 sit here and guess because we we honestly have no idea what the compensation will be. Some people are saying it's a minimum of a one. Some people are saying they'll want two ones, which eventually was backed off. So we don't know what they're. I would assume it's going to include at least a first rounder, and let's say hypothetically it includes, you know, the Jets can talk the Packers down and say. We'll give you next year's one, and the Packers take that, and then Aaron Rodgers walks away. You, you know, you mentioned building around the the next guy. I'm thinking about how are you getting the next guy. Yeah. If Rodgers leaves and you've got no first round pick next year, then what are you doing? Like you could be back in this boat next year, only worse off because you paid all that money to bring Aaron Rodgers in. And yeah, my concern is far greater with the draft picks than it is with the money because that again, you're going to need those picks to build if this guy leaves after a year. You know, even two. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of resources for a one or two year guy. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome all 22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>